Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Savannah Holly-Bates. Today is Thursday, December 28th. Coming up, nearly two years after the worst of COVID-19, schools in Kansas and Missouri are still dealing with major effects of the pandemic. School enrollment, test scores, and teacher retention have declined. Chronic absenteeism and school meal debt, which was paused during the pandemic, is also making it harder to learn. We'll catch up on the biggest issues schools are facing heading into 2024. Later, a new law that goes into effect next year allows Kansas students to transfer schools outside the district where they live, as long as there is space available. But open enrollment won't be simple, and it doesn't come with guarantees. It's not clear that those schools they want to attend have capacity or that those families have the means to get those students to the school of their choice. How Kansas districts are preparing for the shift to open enrollment. But first, some headlines. KU Athletics has spent $10 million in the past six years defending its basketball program against serious NCAA recruiting violations. Here's KCUR's Sam Zeff. The legal bills have been rolling in since 2017 and just stopped after the NCAA ruled in October that KU vacate 15 wins and surrender its 2018 Final Four appearance. According to invoices obtained through the Kansas Open Records Act, KU paid four law firms to defend charges. The basketball program and a former Adidas executive lured recruits to Lawrence with cash. The legal effort was massive. As KU was headed to a national championship in March 2021, invoices show more than 15 lawyers worked on the case and billed some $375,000 that month alone. Last year, KU voluntarily suspended head coach Bill Self for four games, which may have eased the NCAA penalties this year. Kansas City, Kansas officials have vowed to reopen the Central Avenue Bridge. As KCUR Zach Perez reports, officials have yet to figure out how to pay for the massive project. The bridge, which connects eastern Kansas City, Kansas, to Kansas City, Missouri's West Bottoms, was closed in 2021 due to structural concerns. Last month, after hearing from several local business owners and residents, the Unified Government's Board of Commissioners unanimously voted to remove the bridge's demolition from the community master plan. Mike Pierce, owner of Slaps Barbecue on Central Avenue, says the closure of the bridge has affected local business. Have we seen a 7 to 15 percent reduction since that bridge was closed? Probably. It's gigantic. I talked at the UG about uh, what if 10 more people a day join us at Slaps for lunch? That's the difference between three or four employees a year and not. The current estimate to repair the county's portion of the bridge is around $65 million. A Kansas City program helped thousands of tenants avoid an eviction this year. KCUR's Salisa Klockel has more. Tenants who end up in eviction courts can receive free legal representation through the city's Right to Counsel program. So far this year, 79% of tenants that received an attorney avoided an eviction. Gina Kiala is the executive director of the Heartland Center for Jobs and Freedom, which provides and trains attorneys. So it's still true that having a lawyer in housing court means the difference between being housed or being on the streets. Supporters of the program say they still need more money from the city to hire more attorneys and represent more tenants. We'll be right back. It's Friday night. What places are you heading to for post-work happy hour? 
tell us. This podcast is making a best of the best list and needs recommendation for happy hour menus at restaurants in KC. Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. Many schools across the region returned to in-person instruction nearly two years ago, after the height of COVID-19. But school districts are still dealing with the long-term effects of the pandemic, which has harmed school enrollment, teacher retention, and test scores across the region. KCUR's Nominu Giadine sat down with reporter Jody Fortino to talk about how primary education in the region is faring and what challenges still lie ahead in 2024. So how is the pandemic affecting school enrollment? Yeah, school enrollment is still not to where it was pre-pandemic. From last year, we're seeing enrollment for most school districts in the Kansas City area is down from last year. And like we said, that's kind of on trend because education experts, they expect a decrease in public school enrollment in part because of declining birth rates. But nationally, we're also seeing some other trends like an increase in homeschooling. So Kansas City Public Schools, Blue Springs, Lee Summit, and North Kansas City are an exception to that. They did see more students this year compared to last year. But as far as being at where they were pre-pandemic, really it's only North Kansas City Schools and Blue Springs School District that we've seen them reach their pre-pandemic numbers. How is the pandemic still impacting students' test scores? So kind of like we were saying with enrollment, they're still not to where they were before the pandemic, but we are seeing some small increases. So some takeaways from the scores that we got in August, which we're looking at the 2022-2023 school year, is that elementary and high schoolers made small improvements in English language arts, while middle schoolers actually saw no growth or small declines. And part of that, education experts think, is because of the timing of the pandemic, those middle schoolers, when the pandemic would have hit, would have been kind of those core years for learning reading skills. But overall, most grades saw a small increase in their math scores. You reported on how chronic absences are still a problem in a lot of districts. How do these affect classrooms? So yeah, exactly. I reported that nearly a quarter of Missouri students are chronically absent, which means that they're missing at least 10% of the school year. And so obviously that makes an impact on that student who's not in the classroom to learn what the, what's being taught there. But it also affects the entire classroom, education experts say, because, you know, there's more time that's being spent on reteaching what that one student missed, recuperating that knowledge. So it creates these learning gaps, not only for an individual child, but for that class and the time it takes up to do that. You also reported this year on school meal debt, where students actually owe schools money for lunch. What kind of impact does that have on students? You know, I think it comes down to as simple as if you're hungry, it's really hard to learn. So that's why we've seen more hunger advocates advocating for legislation that would make lunch free, regardless of a student's income level. And that's exactly what students got during the pandemic. So for two years during the COVID pandemic, federal subsidies allowed all students to eat free at school, regardless if they met income guidelines or not. No paperwork needs to be put in on that on their end. Um, but like we talked about, that ended this school year. So Milda is piling up for schools. And I think recently was most reported in Kansas this last school year, school lunch debt climbed to over $23 million. So schools in the area are still struggling with hiring enough teachers. What role do salaries play in that? Missouri has one of the lowest salaries for 
beginner teacher pay in the country. And as we know, nationally, when we look at studies of teachers leaving and why that, how much they're getting paid does play a role in that. So there have been some changes at the state level in Missouri, including a temporary grant program that school districts can opt into to raise teacher pay, but there's been no permanent solution. So in the meantime, several districts in Kansas City have inched up their pay. So independent school district voters passed a tax levy in August so that they could pay teachers more. And then Kansas City Public Schools raised its salaries for teachers this school year to be the highest in the area at about $46,000. And like I said, you're seeing school districts kind of keep inching their way up around that number. Kansas school districts are preparing for a new law that lets students attend schools outside the districts where they live. In the coming months, administrators will forecast school capacities and hold lotteries for available slots. Kansas News Service education reporter Suzanne Perez spoke with Beck Shackelford-Wanganga about the shift to open enrollment. Suzanne, tell me about open enrollment. What is it and how is it supposed to work? Well, Kansas lawmakers passed this measure last year, and it lets students attend public schools outside the district where they live, as long as there is space available. So conservatives see it as a way to help families move their kids out of local public schools that maybe aren't doing a good job or say they're being bullied or something like that. Now, opponents, including most of the administrators in highly coveted suburban districts throughout the state, say it is already a logistical nightmare. Wow. So I hear this goes into effect next fall. Where are schools in this process right now? There are a couple of intermediate deadlines for districts. By January 1st, all districts are required to have a policy in place that will determine how many out-of-district students they will accept each year. So in most cases, school principals will look at class sizes at each grade level and each school and make that call based on enrollment trends and like the number of teachers. Now, in some growing districts, that will be pretty tricky. I spoke with Jeff Jarman. He's a school board member for the Mays District just west of Wichita. He says families move into that district all the time and schools need to have space for them. It's really important as a board member that we carefully consider future growth. It is not fair to our taxpayers to allow students from out of the district who are not paying property tax to come in and potentially take seats The law requires districts to determine the number of open seats at each grade or building level by May 1st, and then they will publish that information on their website by June 1st. And then during the month of June next year, the district will take applications from any out-of-district students that want open slots. All right. So the whole point of this is that students can go to other districts if they choose to. But are they guaranteed a spot wherever they want to go? Not exactly. So especially this first year, lots of school leaders tell me they plan to be pretty conservative with the number of non-resident students uh, because they don't want to get caught in August having to scramble to hire more teachers. Um, Some districts may even say they're full, at least at some grade levels. And it's worth noting that state aid would follow the student to the different districts, but districts report their enrollment based on the previous year's headcount. So funding is going to be tricky as well. And if they do have seats available and they get more applicants than they have slots, they will uh, hold a lottery to randomly select those students by mid-July. Districts say that even that is causing some heartburn right now because they need all new systems in place for handling applications and then communicating with families. 
oh, I hadn't thought of the strain this would put on school administration. What if lots of high-demand districts just say they're full? Is that going to fly with lawmakers who pushed for this change? That is a great question. I mean, it's technically up to districts to determine their capacity, and nothing in the law is forcing them to accept any out-of-district students. But Andover Superintendent Brett White says lawmakers will be watching the numbers and how districts are handling those applications. I think if we said we have no capacity, we've never had any capacity, then what we do is put ourselves at risk for them to say, well, okay, we'll tell you what your capacity and and how you're going to determine that in the future. The new law also calls for a legislative post-audit of the program after three years. Okay, last question for you. What about high school sports? Will we see students trying to switch schools to play for a better program? That's a big concern throughout the state as well. The only rule in the bill about student-athletes says that districts can't admit or deny a student based on athletic performance. But school officials say the new law does open the door for athletic transfers or for freshmen to apply to a high school based only on its sports program. That's education reporter Suzanne Perez speaking with Beck Shackelford-Wanganga. The Kansas News Service is a collaboration of KMUW, KCUR, Kansas Public Radio, and High Plains Public Radio. It reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Savannah Holly-Bates. This show is produced by Anna Schmidt and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. If you like our show, leave us a review. It helps us reach new listeners. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.